Hey, hoop ballers, are you into sports betting? Do you want to know why a certain game has a funky line? Well, HoopBall has you covered. Today in sports betting is a great addition to all your handicapping questions with hosts Ira Silver and Devin Ellington. We break down game lines and future bets on all sports and try to make some money along the way. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallGaming, at Ira Silver Magic, and at D-A-L-E-007. And download Today in Sports Betting in the App Store, Google Play, and available on Spotify. And we are back in here with the latest edition of the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoopball and the Hoopball Podcast Network. I am your host, Damian Barling, and I thank you so much for downloading, subscribing. I thank you so much for listening. If you're new to the show, welcome in. I hope you will stick around a while. And by a while, I don't just mean today. I mean forever. Once you arrive, we hope you stay forever. Uh, appreciate your support of uh, Hoopball and everything that they got going on. Appreciate your support recently uh, as James Hamm is, is going to join us. This is a, a hell of a read to mention. As I say, James Hamm is going to join us here in just a minute. But appreciate your support of Manscaped. Many of you have been using the promo code HOOPBALL20 to get 20% off of your order and to get free shipping. That promo code is still valid. We encourage you to use it. Check out that lawnmower 3.0. It helps avoid accidents when you're grooming specific regions. Feel what I'm talking about. See, I know a lot of podcasts, particularly ones that are geared towards the male demographic, they do these like super corny, over-the-top, and rather gross manscaped reads. It's not really my style. That's not really our style. But it is what it is. Manscaping is a thing, and it is a very valuable thing. And if you don't think so... Ask your lady, ask your wife, ask your partner, ask your significant other if manscaping is important. And then once they tell you, yeah, fool, it is, uh, go to manscaped.com. Enter the promo code HOOPBALL20. Get 20% off your order plus free shipping. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a great device. The Lawnmower 3.0 It's a great device. It's third-generation trimmer uh, with a ceramic blade that helps reduce those accidents that we were just referencing a minute ago. The battery lasts 90 minutes. It's water-resistant. You can use it in the shower. It's an awesome device. Again, the Lawnmower 3.0 over at manscaped.com. Use the promo code HOOPBALL20 to get 20% off of your order. The final Sacramento Kings preseason game is in the books, and it's a game that they won. And through the first... Through the first 38, 40 minutes, it was the first game where I was walking away going, all right, I don't, I don't know whether to make heads or tails. There's, there's not a, even in the games that they lost, I walked away with a lot of positives. As the game was taking place, I was like, I you know, the Kings, you know, they fall behind double digits. They fight their way back into the game. All right, you know, it's kind of it's kind of the Kings' mo. We we see it all the time from them. They down double digits. They fight back into the game. They wind up losing late. It very much felt like this particular game against the Clippers was going to follow that playbook. Down by a lot, back, lose. But this time, uh, they didn't lose. In fact, uh, what happens regularly with the Kings is they fall behind enough. And then they fight back, but they just can't get over the hump. Like, they can't take that extra step forward. They can't hit that one last basket. We saw it against Miami. They got within one basket of the heat. They had a breakaway. They were out on the open floor with a chance to take the lead. Something went wrong, and the Miami Heat hit a three on the other end. They were suddenly went from down one to down four. Never really had an opportunity to take the lead again after that. But that wasn't the case. The Kings hit that bucket that put them over the top. The Kings 
Well, it was a quality win. I, I don't know. It's a scrimmage game. I don't know whether to make heads or tails of it. I know Harrison Barnes is back. He got some good run. Uh, Harrison Barnes talked about his his time quarantining and oh, he you know it, not necessarily whoa for Harrison Barnes, but whoa for Harrison Barnes's family. Uh, it sounds like he escaped the symptoms of COVID nineteen. Uh, unfortunately, his wife and his mother did not. Um, it just shows the wide range of symptoms that people feel or lack thereof that people feel with this virus. But Harrison Barnes was back there. Uh, he was back there uh, on the court, as was Rashawn Holmes. He's coming off of being grounded uh, for 10 days. And, you know, De'Aaron is still running, but he's running. So the, the team is, you know, the one guy we didn't see, we didn't we, we didn't get any Alex Lynn. Obviously, we know Marvin Bagley isn't with the team anymore. Uh, but we continue to see good performances from Daquan Jeffries. We continue to see really good performances from Kent Bazemore and, I don't know, man. I, I I thought this, you know, this has nothing to do with the way, this has nothing to do with the fact that they, they won. But with De'Aaron healthy, or at least appears to be healthy, with Harrison Barnes, you know, here in Orlando, I'm saying here like I'm in Orlando, with Harrison Barnes, you know, with the team and playing, with Rashawn Holmes, you know, back with those guys getting a run. I know Marvin Bagley's not around. I know that feels like a loss, and I don't mean to, I don't want to diminish Marvin Bagley at all. I feel like he was... I was really looking forward to see what he was able to do. But the fact is the Kings went on some of their best runs this year without him. So we know that the Kings are capable of winning without Marvin Bagley. We know that they're not capable of winning without De'Aaron Fox. But those aren't questions that we have to answer because De'Aaron is ready to go. Harrison Barnes is there. He's going to be looking for his win over the course of the next couple of days. Probably the same with Rashawn Holmes. I like this team. And it's not because I think that they're world beaters. It's because I don't like Phoenix. I don't like San Antonio. I have questions about Portland. I love Dame Lillard as much as everybody else, but I have questions. Um, and the Pelicans, I'm just tired of it. Like I'm, I'm tired of like people force-feeding the Pelicans-Lakers matchup on us. And quite honestly, the team I'm most concerned about is the Grizzlies. I've said this before. I think it probably boils down to the Kings, the Grizzlies, and 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 the Pelicans. I'm not writing off the Blazers. I just I have questions about the Blazers. I have questions about the Blazers' commitment. I have questions about whether the Blazers actually want to be in Orlando and be a part of this. Because I feel like they don't. And the question is, you know, what version of the Sacramento Kings are we going to get? People have speculated, are, are, are they going to push the pace? Are they going to push the tempo? I, I, there's no reason to believe that they are. But I, what is their rotation going to look like? You know, how much of, we saw a lot of Daquan Jeffries. Kings fans love Daquan Jeffries. How much are we going to see from him moving forward? How much are we going to see from guys like Corey Brewer, or Corey Joseph? I don't know. But I know who might. And it's James Ham, fantastic reporter. NBC been covering the Kings for over a decade, host of the Purple Talk podcast, and happy to bring James Ham in. Uh, right now onto the Sacramento Kings podcast. And Hammer, let's start with this. We were just talking about the scrimmage games. Uh, what's the biggest positive to take away from those three games that we saw? Man, I just think that they survived them and they're healthy. They're going to walk into the season mostly healthy. No Marvin Bagley. Uh, Alex Lynn, I think, is going to be a question mark for probably the next week, maybe a little bit more. This. They're just trying to get him back in game shape. But uh, I thought by the end of the, the scrimmages, we saw they tightened up. The, uh, the turnovers, they tightened up the three-point defense a little bit there in the last game. So I think we saw improvement, but, you know, it's going to be a work in progress for a while. 
How much of the turnover situation, you know, the fact that they got better, uh, do you attribute to De'Aaron Fox? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge part of it. I also think not having guys who are young or guys who don't play that often um, or play together, that played a lot into it. So, you know, as opposed to having Harrison Barnes, you're running uh, Duquan Jeffries out there, you're running Corey Brewer out there, uh, you know, Yogi and Kyle Guy and Justin James are getting minutes. So I, I think that's part of it. Um, and I just think it's been four and a half months, you yeah. know, when you take that much time off of basketball, just getting the flow and the rhythm, it's going to take some time. You mentioned Alex Lynn a, a moment ago, and I think that brings up a, a great question about, you know, we've speculated for the last several months, once we got these eight games announced, this would be, you know, we might see an all out sprint to, you know, through these eight games. And I don't necessarily mean in the way that they play, in terms of running up and down the floor like we saw, you know, a year ago or it feels like an eternity ago in that final year with Dave Yeager. But, I mean, if we've got to cut the rotation down to six guys, we've got to cut it down to six, six guys. we got to do just whatever we can to get to this potential play-in game likely against the Memphis Grizzlies. Where do you think – like, what do you think the rotation looks like for guys like, you know, maybe an Alex Lynn who you just mentioned there or perhaps Corey Brewer or, you know, guys outside, you know, Buddy and Bogey and, and the people we expect to see? Yeah, I mean, I think for most of these guys, guys like uh, Daquan Jeffries and Corey Brewer and, you know, the rest of the guys that, you know, Yogi, a Kyle Guy, Justin James, um, they're going to be kind of a break in case of emergency type deal. Um, you know, I think Walton will cut down to a nine-man rotation once it's all said and done. Um, I think we're going to see a little bit more Corey Joseph than what we saw in the last game. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of Kent Bays more. I think we're going to see a ton of Bogey and uh, Buddy together. Um, and then, you know, Harrison Barnes is a guy who, who historically plays 35 minutes a game. So I think the guys that are on the bubble, um, realistically, you know, Corey Brewer, uh, if you need him, you got him. And you need his energy just as a teammate. He's a veteran. But then... Um, when it comes to Alex Lynn, I think it's a little different. I think Luke Walton has, he doesn't have a perfect center option, but what he does have is three guys with three distinct skill sets. So they're not really like, uh, Liam Neeson, who has a set of skills. Um, they're, they're more like three guys that have three different skill sets. So when you want to do your pick and roll and you're running out and, and all that stuff, uh, then you go to Rashawn Holmes, which, you know, he'll start. Um, when you need somebody who can facilitate the offense, you're going to put in Harry Giles. And then when you need someone to just be a defensive presence and a wrecking ball in the post, you bring in Alex Lynn. And this team has a ton of issues with rebounding. It's been a huge, huge problem, especially when Marvin Bagley's out. You know, uh, I, I think Bielita's an okay rebounder. Uh, Harrison Barnes is an okay, maybe rebounder for the small forward slash power forward position. But, you know, unless you're letting Buddy Hill run back and get eight to 10 rebounds in the game, which he can do on occasion, um, you know, a la Russell Westbrook, just go and snipe rebounds, then you're going to need a guy like Alex Lynn here and there. You're going to, especially when you go up against, uh, you know, the, the Pelicans twice. Zion Williamson, you're going to have to throw the kitchen sink at that guy. You're going to have to try Harrison Barnes on him. You're going to have to try Bielitsa on him. So Bielitsa can do that ragdoll defense that he does where he just takes the blow, but he's still standing there. Um, You're you're going to have to have Harry Giles go in and try not to pick up six fouls. Uh, Rashawn uh, Holmes is going to have to play big minutes. But 
the end of the day, I think you're going to need Alex Lynn for those games too. So there are situations where a guy like Alex uh, really, he's going to be a guy that just finds his way into the lineup. And it might only be 10 minutes, it might be 12 minutes because of the Titan rotation, but also because his body isn't right yet. Uh, but I, I do think that Walton needs him, and that will be the 10th guy. You know, there's a possibility that the, the Kings expand the roster, their rotation to 10, but only only in spot duty situations. Daquan, you mentioned Daquan Jeffries a few moments ago. He's one of those uh, break the glass guys. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, mean, I he, think so. He's made a lot of he's made a lot of fans over the course of the last you know three games or so. Obviously, you know people are aware of him because of his you know the ties to the Stockton Kings and that whole deal. But I, I feel like Kings Universe or the Kings Nation or the Kings World or whatever you know clever little nickname we use, uh, they were all about Daquan Jeffries over the course of these scrimmage games. Yeah. Also, point out they were all over Ike Diagu, you know, <laughs> uh, like. Like ten years ago, That's I mean, all right. they wanted Ike Diagu to sign for a, a three-year deal at nine million dollars a year or something. Hey. Uh, look, here's the deal: Kings uh, fans have a type. To, yeah, yeah. They, well, they like hustle guys. They like guys that come in and surprise you. That's right. I think Jeffries has been just just a breath of fresh air, right? I mean, his ability to—he went up and roof blocked somebody. He did a full-on volleyball block the other yeah. day. And it was like, holy cow, look at that. Like, I didn't, I haven't seen that. And then the putbacks have been nuts. He's been doing that in practice as well. Um, I think what you have there is a young guy who went to the G League and said, how do I get to the NBA? So you got some guys who go to the G League and think that they're just going to go star and go put up 20-something points a game. Um, but this has always been my problem with the G League. Like, finding a Pascal Siakam is like, one in a million. Yeah. Like those guys, you don't send guys to the G league and all of a sudden they come back and they become all stars and they become a 20 and 10 guy. I think the G league should be very specific. You got point guards that can run teams. You got big men who can rim run. run. You've got three and D guys that you can develop the D the, at the G league level. But I just don't think that most guys walk down there with that mindset. A guy like Kyle Guy is like, I'm going to go down here. I'm going to rip off 20 shots a game. That's how I'm going to get to the bigs. And it's like, well, in what world is Kyle Guy ever going to get an opportunity at the NBA level to shoot 20 times? And, and that, you know, it's sort of the Jimmer Fredette thing, right? Jimmer, was, once he got past that first, like, six-month window, he was never going to be that player again. So he needed to reinvent himself as – Jimmer, the three-point specialist, you know, the fact that Steph Curry, uh, his little brother, is still in the league, Seth, and Jimmer Fredette isn't, it it doesn't speak to, you know, Seth being a tremendous player. It speaks to him understanding a role at the NBA level and being really good at it. And that's just something that guys have to do. So I think Jeffrey's, like, he learned how to be a 3 and D guy. And maybe he already had that in him. But he got better as a three-point shooter because he wasn't a great three-point shooter, if I'm not mistaken, at the college level. And then he's just built to be a two, three, four combo guy that can come in and get you minutes wherever. And I like him. And I'm going to point this out too, Damian. The biggest thing for me that we've seen throughout this year, Luke Walton's done plenty of things that I disagree with this season. I'm still wondering what in the world happened to the pace, all of these things. But the one thing I will give him props for is that 
Dwayne Dedman wasn't working out and he benched him. And we've, you know, the Kings were in a rut and Buddy Hield wasn't playing particularly well. So we benched him. And I think what Luca showed me is that he's willing to give time and, and rotational minutes to players that earn a spot. I mean, Rashawn Holmes has never been an NBA starter. All of a sudden he's a King starter and he's averaging, you know, 13 and eight. He's been great. So it's, it takes a coach that's willing to actually do that to, to say, I don't care that you pay $13 million a year for Dwayne Dedman. I'm going to start the $5 million a year guy who's a better player. And so maybe Jeffries does get some minutes, but it's because he's earned them and he's earned the trust of Luke. And I think that's pretty big. Okay. So you kind of opened the door here a little bit. So I'm going to walk through it and ask you about Buddy Heald. Are you a, a like Buddy Heald, a love Buddy Heald, or I just cover Buddy Heald? I, I, I look at, you know, I'm three of 10. Sometimes we look at his. You know, we're drawn to numbers, and the fans like to look at box scores, and sometimes you see, oh, Buddy Heald, he had 21 tonight. Like, yeah, he did, but he took 21 field goals to get there. Uh, sometimes I just don't know whether to make heads or tails of Buddy's games. Now, there are some times where you're like, okay, Buddy was fire today, but there are other times and more times than not where you're looking at, like, I, I don't know what to make of him. Yeah, I mean, as far as, like, where I'm at on the spectrum is I love Buddy Heald, the player, um, as a, because he's fun. He, he brings excitement, he brings energy and, you know, he is as elite a three point shooter as there is in the league. Mm-hmm. Now, has he been great this season? No. Um, I think he really did. Uh, he took things personal where he shouldn't have. And, and I actually think he's caused himself some problems down the road, uh, with the way that he handled not just his negotiations, but then um, when he did get benched, you know, the the public out in front of the camera was like, just, I'm going to do whatever Luke needs. I'm going to do what's right for the team, blah, blah, blah. But that's not the way that anyone felt in the building. And that's not the way that quietly it was, you know, put out there through his own channels. Mm-hmm. So I'm not comfortable with that. And I know that he's going to run into problems with that if, you know, the same coach and general manager running this team. Um, it, it's kind of one of those things that Vlade, I mean, he said it years ago, if, um, I think it's Emmanuel Moutier, if, you know, someone doesn't want to come work out for Vlade, then Vlade is not going to draft him. You know, he, he takes things to heart. And I think that the way that all of those things are handled was personal. And, you know, especially Buddy going through, uh, acting like he's getting disrespected when he signed an $86 million contract with the potential to make $106 million, um, where the year before, Buddy would have been lucky to get an $8 million contract, but he took advantage of a, of his opportunity. And so I'm okay with Buddy Heald, and, and actually I, I think that he makes the Kings better, and he's actually a player that I believe fits perfect next to De'Aaron Fox in the backcourt. Um, but you really have to have the other players around him, you know, uh, as far because I think he, he's more of a pure shooter than a pure scorer. And, you know, again, like there's a lot of things above me that he does, like he doesn't get to the foul line. That doesn't ever make any sense to me. Like, can somebody watch some Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford footage for like five minutes and learn how to draw a foul on a three point shot or learn how to draw a foul on the key? 
but overall, I, I think he's a tremendous, tremendous scorer. And, uh, you know, and, and he makes me smile. He says stuff that's crazy, um, but he's always got a smile on his face. Uh, he, he wears his emotions. So as a reporter, those are all things that you, you know, when you walk into a locker room as a reporter, you're part of like a weird sociology experiment and guys like that, you feed off of their energy. And, and I, to me, I, I like having them around and I think, you know, the Kings are a better team with him on the court. They just need to figure out the little nuances, the lack of focus a hundred percent of the time, the times that he just literally lets go of a ball and it bounces out of bounds, all those things. If he can get through some of that and just clean it up, I think they've got a really, really high level shooting guard there. I think it's funny that the things that bug you about Buddy Heald are, or some of the things, or maybe maybe not buggy, but the things that you're concerned about in terms of his future are the same things that you love about him. Because I can see them kind of being one in the same. In that he took being benched personally, he took not getting, you know, the quote max contract. He took that personally. Like he saw himself as a max player. He thought he performed as a max player. He thought the way that he played that one year uh, meant that he was a max player when he didn't get it. He took it personally. Um, even though he said the right things in front of the camera, as you just alluded to, he didn't necessarily do the right things in the building. But they kind of go one in the same with he doesn't, I, I guess the simplest way to encompass all of this, but he doesn't really have a filter. And he just, he just you, you said it perfectly, he wears his, his heart on his sleeve. But from a basketball perspective, and I don't know what Luke Walton has said to him. I don't know what Dave Yeager has said to him. There was obviously that famous moment at the, at the top of the key against, I can't even remember who it was, but where he got yelled at for taking the three that went in. Um, I, I wonder sometimes if someone like Greg Popovich got a hold of Buddy and said, Buddy, bro, you're Clay Thompson. Or someone like Doc Rivers or Steve Curry, like, dude, you're Clay Thompson. We'll, we'll, we'll run an offense that creates space for you. You don't have to dribble. You don't have to try to create your own shot. We're going to put you in the best position to score 40 points every single night if you hit a large percentage of your shots. I feel like that's what Buddy is. Put Buddy somewhere, run some motion for him to get him open, and don't put him in a position where he has to create. And I wonder how much of what we see from Buddy Heald is him wanting to create his own shot or the offense putting him in a position where he's supposed to create his own shot. Because I don't feel like he excels yeah. at that. No, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, he's, he's gotten better as a ball handler, but um, I'll say this. The last two coaches, like the current one and the previous one, there is a frustration level that comes with coaching him. Mm. It's, it's the lack of attention to detail that gets under your skin. Yeah. And it, and it happens all the time, but you know, he's always got a smile on his face. He's always chirping. He, he lets, he lets go right off. And when he is getting yelled at and he's getting coached hard, um, I think he is coachable, but I also believe that just like what we talked about with Jeffries, you know, the way to be, the way to be great in this league, and you brought up Popovich. Popovich may not have he, – he's had superstars over the course of time, of course. He's got Kawhi, which he helped develop into a superstar. Um, but, you know, he had Duncan forever. He had Robinson before that. Um, so you have these, these guys who are superstars. But then he also has two other guys at least that are going to be in the Hall of Fame in Tony Parker and Manny Ginobili. And what those guys were is I don't think that they were superstars and whether they were all-star level is even a question, but what they were is they were superstars in their role. 
And I would like to see Buddy understand that he can be a superstar in his role, but his role is not going to be uh, as Kobe Bryant. He is, he is not going to get the opportunity to average 30-something points a game unless it's with some other team. And that's some other team giving them giving him the full run and just saying, you know, go ahead and, and, and be James Harden or be whatever. And, and I just don't know that he can succeed doing that, but, um, fully, I mean, I, I think he can, can succeed as like a really, really high end score, but I don't know that he's that guy and he needs to accept who he is within the Kings and thrive in that role. And, you know, we're always on the brink of him getting it and then not. And then, so, I mean, again, I, I think he's a wonderful, wonderful player to have on your team. And I, I'm glad that the Kings locked him up long-term because I do see the positives. But that, you know, as, again, the journalist side of me and the, the basketball junkie side of me also sees the negatives. And and so I, I get both sides. You used the Spurs as an example, and it made, immediately made me think of Marco Bellinelli. Marco Bellinelli had a very yeah. specific role with San Antonio and then the Kings brought him in and they asked him to do something differently. They asked him to do something different than what made him the player that he was in San Antonio and Kings fans couldn't figure out why he couldn't do when, with the Sacramento Kings, what he was doing in San Antonio. And I would have to make the argument on the radio that he, they're asking him to do something totally different. And then he goes back to San Antonio and he's doing the same thing again. And it's like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. If a player does something specifically well, and you have a chance to get them on their roster or on your roster, just continue to have them do that. Um, but buddy is a, buddy's yeah. a unique guy for sure. He is. And when you bring up Bellinelli, I mean, that was part of Bellinelli convincing George Carl that he was much more than just a shooter. And he wanted to come in and do those things as well. Um, but then again, with Bellinelli, he, he was just frustrated the entire time. He thought that Darren Carlton didn't give him a perfect pass and, uh, that he only wanted to play with Rondo, which means he would start. I mean, there was a bunch of stuff there. Plus, you know, you take a guy who's never really made a lot of money and all of a sudden you gave him a three year, $19 million deal. And he's making a lot more money than he ever has before. And with that comes expectations. I think expectations got to him, but I, I get what you're saying. Like the, there's going to be a role for Buddy Heald in the league for a long time. Um, you know, what is he? He's 27, almost 28. Um, I think he's one of those guys that can play till he's 36 and still put up big numbers and without any problem. And, and I think he'll always find a spot as a super, super high end, you know, scoring option. So it's just whether he figures everything out and becomes part of, a, a really good if he can do that on a really good team I think that's what might separate him from what he is now like can you do what you're doing but can you be part of a 51 team that does that I'd and, argue and if the answer is yes yeah yeah I'd, I'd argue I'm sorry to interrupt you I'd argue over the stretch no, of the no. next eight games you know with the lineup that they have I don't know that the Kings in terms of winning and losing games that they have a more important piece than Buddy Heald because I, I, if I, I feel like Bogey can be when Bo, particularly when he's healthy, you know, the 7 of 25, or uh, excuse me, 7 of 15 we saw the other night, I feel like we can consistently see that from him. And if you get De'Aaron doing his thing, you get Harry Giles into a little bit of rhythm, and suddenly, you know, Buddy scoring 25 off of, you know, 14 or 15 or 16 shots, I, I don't think the Kings are losing those games. 
But I, but I, I, I no, make the same I, argument yeah. that if he's if he's scoring twenty one points, but he's taking you know twenty four shots to get there, I don't think the that's that's not one that's falling in the favor of the Kings. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I like what Bogdanovich brings. Uh, actually, I, I just spoke to him just a little while ago. Um, I don't know when your pod's going live, but I have a pod going live on Wednesday with Bogey, and I said, hey, look, like the first game, you look kind of out of sorts, and then the second game, about halftime you had nothing. And then all of a sudden you woke up in the second half and he goes, each of those situations were totally different. He said, the first game we were trying to get body a rhythm. So let me try to set you up. Let me try to make things easier for you right now. And I think that was his first design. The second game he said, we got Fox back. And so again, I'm trying to, I, I get the ball, but then I want to give it back to him. Like, Hey, it's kind of like a give and take. And then he's like, we get to the third game and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go have a game for me and I'm going to, I'm going to play hard. I'm going to shoot a lot. I'm going to have a good time um, and, and really focus on getting myself ready for the next game, which is, you know, against San Antonio. So, but not every player is like Bogdan. Not every player thinks through it like that. Not other, every player is selfless like he is. And there are many times where he needs to be more aggressive, but uh, I certainly think that, you know, you need players on your roster to think about his teammates in that fashion. Like, how do I get them going? Because we're not going anywhere if Fox isn't ready, if Buddy's not ready, if Harrison's not ready. We are not going anywhere. So let me try to get everyone ready because these games don't really count. And so, again, I think the selflessness of him is really interesting. Purple Talk is the name of the podcast. It's available on all the podcast platforms, including the one that you are listening to to this one on i know you got a lot of work to do so let's wrap up with uh, just a couple of uh, the out of sorts things uh how difficult or or not is it for you to cover a team through a computer screen i've enjoyed it <laughs> yeah you, you are you are, uh, are is james ham a hashtag work from home guy yeah, so um, I live up in the hills. I think a lot of people know that. I live in Lake of the Pines, which is about an hour away from the arena. Um, and I haven't driven to Sacramento in months, and I don't know when I will drive to Sacramento again. Um, so on a game day, a standard game day, I get to Sacramento around 10:15 for shoot-around, which means I've got to leave my house around 9 o'clock, and then I don't get home till 1 or 2 in the morning because I've got an hour drive each way. Um, I, I don't mind it. We're getting great content. I wish we had more one-on-ones, uh, but that's tough. And we're trying to figure out the whole, you know, zoom stuff, but I get on my call every day. I've got my coffee next to me. Um, I've got two laptops going so I can type on one and, and listen on the other. I got my recording device. Um, it, it's not perfect for long-term, but for right now, while we all need to practice social distancing and we all need to wear a mask and we all need to hide out as much as possible. I think it's great. Plus it's saving my back. Um, I don't have to drive all that time and you know, my cars get a break. I think I've got a 2014 Corolla with 157,000 miles on it. And that's just one of my cars that have a ton of miles because all my wife and I do is drive. Jeez. Oh, I get you. There's positives, uh, positives to everything. Um, you, how many, how many of the taken movies have you seen? Um, at least two. Okay. I don't know. You you dropped the reference and it made me think, because there's a certain point, I think everybody saw, you know, you see the first one and then you go see the second one and it's like, all right, like, okay. 
But I know there's at least a third one, and there might be more after that. So I just I needed clarification on how many Taken movies you'd seen to drop that reference. I like here. Liam Neeson. Yeah, I like Liam Neeson. Gangs of New York. I I loved him in that. I, you know, I'm like. Oh, that's awesome. I, 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 yeah, that works. That works for sure. Yeah, he's a good actor. Uh, okay, let's get out on this ham. Kings make the playoffs if. Finish that sentence. Kings make the playoffs if. If they run. Mm. I mean, I think it really does come down to that. I think if you can uh, run out on the San Antonio Spurs and get that first win, and you can run out on the Orlando Magic and play a better brand of running than they do, then you have a really good chance of going two up on uh, the New Orleans Pelicans because the Pelicans have two really tough games. And I would say second thing is I think it will be decided whether or not you can, if you lose either the first two games, I think it's over. Um, But you got to beat the Pelicans. And I think that that is truly the way that you have to get in. This team has to run and they've got to beat the Pelicans. They have two games. Um, I actually think they probably have to win both. They do that. I think they can squeak out five and three um, there's always a possibility for six and two, but I'm looking more at five and three, and I think you can get in at five and three. There you go. Purple Talk, James Ham and Bogey available on Wednesday on your favorite podcast platform. Hammer, we appreciate you, my man. Thank you as always. Yeah, anytime. So happy to have James Ham back here uh, on the Sacramento Kings podcast. So happy to have basketball back. So happy to have sports back. We've been waiting for this day since March 11th. And now it's here, and I know some of you, especially those who follow the Hoop Hoopball Podcast Network here pretty closely, you've got my bookie on your mind. My bookie is the place to go, whether it's a home run or a slam dunk or whatever sports metaphor you want to use. It's not going to be too long, but we're going to be able to say that my bookie is a touchdown. My bookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams. And with the start of... Seeding games coming up on Friday. Uh, my bookie is the perfect place to go. You can bet on seeding games. You can bet off play on games. You can bet on anything you want to. Uh, with my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. You got a baseball team, they've got you. You got a basketball team, they got you. Join today, and my bookie will match your deposit 100%. I repeat, join today. And my bookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter the promo code HOOPBALL when signing up. Enter the promo code HOOPBALL when signing up. And my bookie will match your deposit 100% and throw in that $10 MLB uh, future wager. Uh, remember, at my bookie, the terms are simple. I said it before, I'll say it again. You bet. You win, they pay. Always love talking with James Hamman, both uh, on the podcast and off the podcast. He's such a fantastic member of the media in Sacramento. I'm a huge fan of James Ham. I'm a huge fan of uh, what he brings to podcasts, what he brings to uh, digital media, and what he brings to, you know, he, he was a frequent visitor uh, on the lowdown. And, you know, I've had him on all of the different podcasts that I've had. I'm a, 
I'm a big James Ham fan and appreciate what he does. He's obviously a, just a huge basketball nut, and I love his perspective of the game. He is around the Sacramento Kings as much as anybody else, and I think you know we're so closely tied uh, to two guys who spend so much time with the Kings. Uh, James Ham being one, uh, Jason Jones uh, being the other. I'm a big fan of both of those guys, and really appreciate James Ham for joining me. So, hey man, it's game time. We've got real basketball coming up on Friday. We've got the Sacramento Kings versus the San Antonio Spurs. And, you know, of course, the Sacramento Kings are in a situation where you've got to make a, you know, you can make an, a legitimate argument here going, yep, it's a must-win game. It's a must-win game for the Sacramento Kings as they open things up coming up on Friday against the San Antonio Spurs. Hammer mentioned, uh, you know, the games against the Bucks as well. Uh, I mean, sorry, not the games against the Bucks. the games against the uh, the Pelicans, we already saw the Bucks on Saturday. We don't, we don't need to see them anymore. And man, this, this is, it's about to start to count. And the good thing about the, not even just the good thing, the great thing about the Kings is, it's not just you. You know, you look at, you know, we're all excited that the seeding games are back. We're all, we're all excited that, you know, meaningful basketball is back. But in reality, it's only meaningful for a couple of teams. I don't know how particularly meaningful it is for like the Los Angeles Lakers. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think the Lakers, we saw the Bucks, we saw the Clippers. In fact, all three teams that we saw, I don't know that they're going to be playing, like, serious competitive basketball for another, for another like, two and a half weeks. No, they're not going to tank anything. I don't think they're going to treat them, you know, I don't think they're going to treat these next games as full-on scrimmage games, but I don't think they're going to treat them as regular season games either. I don't think we're going to see LeBron James or Giannis Antetokounmpo, or Kawhi Leonard, or Paul George playing in excess of 30 minutes. Now, maybe once we get, like, later, maybe somewhere, maybe we see, like, a pyramid where we see them ramp up right around the fourth game, fifth game. We see them hit a high number of minutes. We see as close to a, you know, to use a, a football term, we see the third preseason game, you know, the dress rehearsal, if you will, and then we see them wind down and get ready for the playoffs. And even when you're the Lakers, you're the Lakers or you're the Bucks, and you're particularly if you're the Bucks and you're looking at the first round of the playoffs, you're looking at four more exhibition games. And I mean, come on. Orlando? Nah, man. Or Washington? Hey, no. No. Not, Milwaukee, not against Milwaukee. Milwaukee is... Whew, as Kings fans are aware, man, Milwaukee looked absolutely incredible when we saw them the other day. But for the Kings, and for the Pelicans, and for the Grizzlies, and for the Blazers... And I guess to a certain degree, the, the San Antonio Spurs and the Phoenix Suns as well, man, it's full out. Like it is, it's borderline playoff basketball. It's <laughs> seeding games. Like that's what we're calling because the regular season is over, right? The regular season is done. We're already uh, crowning uh, MVPs and, and you know, the, 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 the different season awards they're they're They've already been voted on. So, and we just had a, a set of scrimmage games. Well, these aren't scrimmage games. They're seeding games. So we've got seeding games and we've got playoff games. For the Lakers and for, you know, the 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 Thunder and the Rockets and all the, these are seeding games. But for those other Western Conference teams, for the Grizzlies and the Kings and the Blazers and the Pelicans, these are these are full on playoff games. They've, you know, you can speculate 5 and 3, maybe 6 and 2. I don't know, man, but every single game matters. And Ham said it perfectly a moment ago. They lose that first game against San Antonio, and we can just go ahead and, and fold up shop. We can start thinking about something else because there's no point. They've got the Spurs and the Magic to open the season, the, the, to open the seeding games. 
they have to win both of those. I know, I know it's insane to talk like this, but they do. Because they've got the Mavericks after that. And then after that, you've got the first game against the Pelicans. And the Pelicans this is the first night of a back-to-back. Back-to-backs are going to be a little bit different in the bubble. Obviously, there's no traveling. But there is still going to be at least some semblance. There is going to be some sort of an impact. Not nearly the impact that you would have during the regular season, but still an impact. But it's, it's simple. Ham said it. I'll echo it. The Kings got to win their first two games. Then they'll get into that matchup against Dallas. They'll get into that matchup against the Pelicans. And then right after that, on the second night of a back-to-back, they'll have the Brooklyn Nets or whatever is left of the Brooklyn Nets or some semblance of the Brooklyn Nets. That's what we got coming up, man. But it's back, and I'm so happy that it's back, and I'm so happy that you are here allowing uh, HoopBall to be a part of your Sacramento Kings coverage, allowing HoopBall to be a part of your listening habits. Uh, I think we'll come back. What do we got? We got a game Friday. I think we got another one on 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 Sunday. Let's do a show. Let's 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 plan to meet back here on Saturday. How about that? We meet back here on Saturday, and then yeah, we'll go from there. Let's get let's get together on Saturday. We'll talk about that first game against the against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, make sure you check out James Ham's new podcast, depending on what day you're listening to this. is dropping on Wednesday. I don't know if that means tomorrow. I don't know if that means today. I don't know if that means a week ago. But depending on when you listen to this, make sure you check out Purple Talk, James Ham's latest podcast with Bogdan Bogdanovich. Again, appreciate you so much for tuning in. Rate, review, subscribe. Check out the uh, podcast over on the Be Heard podcast platform. Uh, you can check out My Daily Show, the podcast with Damian Barling. It is available on this very same podcast platform that you're listening to this show on. You can check out the Dope Ones. You can check out Deuce and Mo. You can check out J Street Vibes, another Sacramento Kings podcast with my man Kenny Carraway and Jason Jones. All of that available uh, here on the same platform that you're listening to this show on. Again, appreciate you so much for joining me and appreciate you for supporting the Sacramento Kings podcast here on the Hoop Ball Podcast Network.